Welcome to podcast number 10. Woo! She Watchables podcast number 10. We are in double figures as promised. (laughs) Not quite our birthday, but we're in double figures. Yeah, we're very excited. We're very close to it. Yeah. It's May, as you can see from the weather. (laughs) It's, uh, It's the start of spring. It may rain, it may sunshine, it may hail, it may thunder, it may snow. It's May. It's May, absolutely. Um, so, the film that we've picked this month, mm-hmm. we've picked for a particular May-related reason. We have indeed. Haven't we? Yeah. Yeah. Which will be apparent to a particular subsection of the population. Yeah. Possibly those that will never listen to this podcast, but, you know, I keep trying. Well, we'll find out. <laughs> we'll find out our demographic, <laughs> really. Will. How many people... In that Venn diagram... We might be able to entice some new listeners. This is true. Yeah, I hope so. Yes. So, what happens... You're the specialist this month. Mm. What happens towards the end of May? Okay, so, um, in the brass band calendar, May is a very big month because it brings around the Whitwalks March contest, which, if you don't know what that is, uh, I will do my best to explain it, but there's really no other way than to actually go along and experience (laughs) it for yourself or watch this film brassed off. So... Um, the Whit Walks is a competition where a brass band just jumps on a coach and rides around from one village to another in Saddleworth and Tameside area, which if you're not sure where that is, it's up north. And we just hop off the coach at all these different villages, play a march, usually get a beer and then get back on the coach and then off we go to the next village and do the same again. And you repeat that as many times as you can throughout the night. So it's a great, it's a competition and it's supposedly the greatest free show on earth. That's how it's plugged. Is that true? Yeah, the greatest free show on earth. I thought that used to be the St. Helens Shurgley show. (laughs) (laughs) Well, since since that stopped or since that, you know, went, it it tapered off a bit. It did a little, yeah. This is definitely it. And is that happening this year? I'm assuming it's not happening this year. And it obviously got cancelled last year too. But fingers crossed for next year. Yes. That would be amazing if we could do it again next year because, yeah, it's it's one of the most attractive elements of brass band com- competitiveness. Um, it's the thing that everyone kind of really looks forward to on the calendar, even though you can pretty much guarantee at some point during the night you're going to get lashed down by rain. <laughs> Look <laughs> completely hailed, miserable. Hailed on, snowed on. Hailed on or snowed on. It was snowed off one year, not too long well, ago. Yeah. Do, do we know the history of the Whitwalks? Or do I, do oh, I have to Google this? Yeah, we're going to have to Google post. that and, and put that in post. <laughs> put sorry. <laughs> in typical fashion, Betty's not done all of her homework. <laughs> Footnote. The first brass band competition to take place on Whit Friday, that's the first Friday after Pentecost in the Christian calendar, took place in Staley Bridge around 1870. Other local towns, Upper Mill and Mossley, added their contests in 1884 and the annual Whit Friday band contest was born. Interestingly, the history of Whit Walks goes back even further to 1821 in Manchester. It is thought that they were originally planned to keep Sunday school attendees and other youths from the dual temptations of drinking and gambling at the nearby horse races during Whitsuntide. Well, one out of two ain't bad. But 
if you haven't, as you say, if you haven't been to the Whitwalks, mm-hmm. you can get a decent flavour by watching this film, and we'll come back Absolutely. to that scene a bit later on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and how close it is to uh, to the truth. But <laughs> so we're doing uh, Brastoff. We've been she watching Brastoff. Yeah. It's um, it, it's a, a film from 1996. It's set in 1992, mm-hmm. so it's not exactly a period piece. But uh, it's uh, yeah, it's, it's it's kind of it's set about four years before it was actually released. Well, but what it's about is set up very very simply in the first few minutes i think that's mm-hmm. what I, I thought that's what hit me yeah. when i was re-watching it some films you don't know where they're going yeah. you think oh this is oh, i wonder what this is going to be about mm-hmm. and even halfway through the film you might think oh i wonder where this is going yeah this film sets it out yeah because it right it, from the start it's it's historical in a way isn't it it is so you know where it's gonna end you do yeah it's um I mean, the opening scene, you've got those bobbing miners' helmets in the dark. Oh, yeah. And that, I don't know if this is intentional, made me think of musical notation. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, it's all in a that, line yeah. all the way, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's about music, it's about miners. You've got the brass band music over the opening credits. Yeah. You've got all the names in the opening credits, if they've got a P or an F in them. It's written in the style is, of yeah. musical yeah. notation, mm-hmm. isn't it? Yeah. So it's it's all there, isn't it? Yeah. It's all there in that first scene. It is. It's brutal. When they're driving out of the uh, the pit, you've got the women by the side of the the entrance of the mm-hmm. pit protesting against the closures. Do yeah. you remember um, the people who used to protest outside Parkside? Or are you going to tell me you're too young? I'm going to have to say that I'm you are, too young. Uh, yeah, I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I don't so, remember. <laughs> so we're, we're, obviously we're based in the north. Yeah. And, um, yeah, Newton used to have a pit. Well, everywhere had a pit round here, didn't it? But mm-hmm. Newton had a pit parkside. Uh, closed in 1993. And I remember every time you went past, there were people outside with little fires and protesting wow. against the, the closure. So, so you know, it, like you say, it's historical. I must Did, have seen it, but I just obviously you have. didn't consciously yeah. like know anything about it. No, at that point, so. But yeah, yeah I definitely, I, I do remember that, and obviously, it's taken. It's not a documentary. It's mm-hmm. fair to say, brassed off. Mm-hmm. Um, it's taken some liberties with the stories, but mm-hmm. it is based on the story of Grimethorpe Colliery. It is, it? yeah. It's um, it's the, there's a, obviously. Most brass bands have like a history in an industry that's local to them. Mm-hmm. So obviously, there's a lot of colliery bands that they don't use the colliery in the name anymore. Most of them. But, oh, okay. Uh, so, for instance, our sort of local band, the one that I used to play for, they were yeah. a colliery band. Right. Um, they dropped that from the name years ago. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Grimesop is still called like Grimes Art Colliery Band. That's right. I think they still use that because of the whole brass band fame. It sort of, you know, helps promote them as well. Definitely. As yeah. much as anything else. Um but there was another band in that area too called um well, the area's Frickly. Right. Um, and there's a band there called Calton Mean Frickly and they used to be a colliery band too. So mm-hmm. I think it's kind of like a, an amalgamation of those two bands that come up yeah. with Grimly. Ah uh, yes that would make Sorry, sense. Sorry it, it yeah. meshes their names together basically. That would make sense. Yeah. But it is it, yeah, the film uses Grimethorpe players as the bulk of the, the band. So. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and the soundtrack, obviously, which we'll come back to, mm-hmm. is uh, is by Grimethorpe. Yeah. 
Colliery Band. So that's setting the scene, isn't it? IMDb score of 7.1. Yeah, see, I would rate it so much higher. <laughs> I, I think that's fair. I yeah. think 7.1's fair. I know that it's it's your area. Well, that's it. If you're a fan, <laughs> if you're a fan of the yeah. music and stuff, then it, you, of course, going to enjoy it a lot more. But Of course, yeah. Because it does focus quite heavily on the story of Brass Band. But, um, yeah, I... I can see 7.1 is for, I think it's for like an, a normal audience. I, I'm normally happy to sit down and watch anything that's over 7. Yeah. Anything that's below that, you know, between 6 and 7, you know, I don't mind. I'm not going to be too excited about that. Anything yeah. below 6, it's going to have to have um, Jason Statham or Nicholas Cage <laughs> for me well, to be interested. See, uh, well, when I was doing a little research on IMDb and about the 7.1 rating... Right. Um... I was just looking to see how many sort of low starred ratings it gets from people. At, I love looking at low starred ratings. Um, I mean, I was going to save this for maybe a little later on, but we seem to be naturally there already. There's, there's, did you read the? Uh, I've, I've read some. I've read a few American reviews. Oh right, okay. More of that later. But, okay, uh, okay. But no, go for it. So there's. To, there's currently only two one star reviews on IMDb. Right. And one seems to take offence at the general like um subject matter of the film right i.e about coal mining okay industry so i don't know why they've used imdb to uh, the problems about <laughs> yeah. that uh, the other one <laughs> the other one is hilarious um this is a one star review from somebody called dr v666 and was written in september 2006 i'm going to try and uh birdsong the <laughs> correct words out uh, I must say this film accu- accurately portrays the brass band world in that it's a pile of bird song if you want to <laughs> nice. hang around with a group of drunk middle aged social bird songs then I suggest you watch this film and find your nearest brass band recruitment officer and jump on board that road to bird song uh, aka the continuously fruitless pursuit of winning any competition which comes even mildly close to worthwhile uh, once you do that you'll be considerably more than just brassed off at least the witty at that point yeah. um, thanks for listening you've been a wonderful audience good day p.s this film is birdsong just in case you didn't get the gist of my rant and i've got to say when i read that review i was actually crying laughing the first time because <laughs> i just thought this was clearly written by a very drunk brass bander who's just got a very bad result at a competition that does seem quite likely <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So my point is that you can't take, like you know, you get you get reviews like that that really aren't connected to the film per se. You do the quality of the film. It drags the ratings down. I think if and you I look on Amazon, if you look on Amazon as well, you get a lot of people giving films one and two star ratings because they it wouldn't play on the particular player. Mm-hmm. They bought a region one DVD and they've oh, got yeah. a region two. And I, and that drags the rating down. That's hardly fair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, know. it's not fair. That's your bad, really, yeah, isn't exactly. it? If you bought the wrong disc. Exactly. But I think that yeah, I think seven point one is is reasonable. It won quite a few. Um, it won quite a few awards. Not really in this country, mm-hmm. which is strange. It won the César for the best foreign film. Right. It won another French award. Uh, it won awards from two German panels. 
Uh, Matt Herman, who wrote and directed the film, um, won a special jury prize at the Tokyo International Film Festival. Ooh. He was the winner of the Writers Guild. Oh, so he won the Writers Guild of Great Britain Film Screenplay Award in mm-hmm. 1997. So that was a that was a British one. Uh, Ewan McGregor won the London Critics Circle Award for best best British actor. Nice, um, but not for this. Oh, <laughs> so that's, that's a little bit odd. It was Ewan McGregor's year. It was, fair. yeah. A train spotting mm-hmm. and uh, Emma and uh, the Pillow Book, which I don't oh, remember. I don't know that one. Footnote: The Pillow Book was an erotic drama, which definitely fits our She Watchables criteria, as it is based on a Japanese book and filmed in Luxembourg, China, and Japan. It's probably not going to make the list, though it's 18 rated and features a lot of full frontal nudity. Definitely not one to watch with your mum. Emma is much more suitable being based on a Jane Austen book and starring Gwyneth Paltrow. But but yeah, it seemed to do well overseas. Mm -hmm. It seemed to do better than it did here. I don't know whether that's because of lots of middle-aged drunk uh, brass band losers. (laughs) Who didn't like it, or uh, conservative voters who didn't like I was it? Just say, I think press banders might have been the only ones that went and watched it in <laughs> think, this country. Yeah, to I, think be you're right. I think you're right. I think we were the bulk of the audience. <laughs> it's uh, it's number eighty five on the BFI's list of the top hundred British films, so it gets in mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. Do have to say though that the Full Monty is at number twenty five. Life of Brian at number twenty eight. Mm-hmm. But I'm not sure how valid that list is. I had a quick look yeah. through the list for some ideas for the ones that we can do in future Ooh, yeah, podcasts. Good idea. Mm-hmm. The top of the top 10, I've seen 8 of them and I dis- really disliked at least 3. Of oh, the... I'll have to have a look at this list yeah. now, yeah. So it, yeah, have a look at it. Uh-huh. So I'm not sure you decide. It's probably me. It's probably <laughs> me who's all wrong. Oh. But uh, yeah, so this is 85. Um, wow. so it's on the list. Nice one. Yeah. So it should be quite right. Quite right. So you said that... You, did you go... I'd love it if you and all your brass band mates all went together to say... I'd love it if you had a story like that. Well, I don't. I'm so sorry to Aww. disappoint you. I do have a nice little story, though. So at this point, I was 11 years old. Yeah. 11 okay, years old. whatever. Sorry. Um, <laughs> so, um, for whatever reason, I think it was because it was a 15 rated and I was only 11. Okay. My mum and dad... I think it was probably more my mum, was a little bit worried about letting me go and watch it. Yes. And then I remember it was a Sunday sort of tea time mm-hmm. and they said, do you want to go and watch Brass Off? And at this point it had been out for like a good few weeks so yeah. there was nowhere near us showing it anymore. We went on C-Fax. C-Fax? We went on C-Fax <laughs> to find which cinemas in our area were still showing it and the closest one was the Apollo in Rill. Oh my word! Um, so yeah, we we drove all the way to Rill oh, at the drop of a hat. That's so nice. And, and went and watched Brasta. What a lovely memory! I know it is. It's such a nice memory. I love it, and we absolutely adored the film. Did you like, get adored chips? it? I think we'd already had tea, if I remember okay. rightly. We'd already had tea. We got cinema snacks. There's always popcorn and sweets and things, especially when I was a kid. <laughs> There's no way I was sitting there no. for like a couple of hours with no food in my hands. That would, that would be the only thing that made that story better. Yeah. Was if you got chips afterwards and, yeah. and sat, sat on the prom. Yeah. No, it was. I think it was about half seven, because I remember it was a school night. And so it was, you know, a case of get back in the car and come yeah, straight home. Yeah. And I 
fairly certain I fell asleep on the way home. <laughs> um, so yeah, it it was a bit too late for chips afterwards, yeah. but definitely sweets in the cinema. That's fab. And is the Apollo yeah. still going? Well, it's the View now, apparently. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's the View. Right. Real. So it is still there. Yeah, yeah. But I think it just looks a bit different. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Oh, fab. So when did you first I've... see it? I am sorry to say I was not among the brass band contingent who went to see it in the <laughs> cinema. Um, so, yeah, so I, I definitely saw it on DVD mm-hmm. after it came out. And again, I am sorry to say that I enjoyed it. Yeah. But I think I saw it after the Full Monty. Mm. Because they came out, Full Monty came out, I think, the following August. Yeah. But I think I saw them the other way around. Right. And it struck me as very similar. Yeah. Which is understandable, um, and I yeah. Didn't like it as much. Mm-hmm. So I hadn't watched it, I don't think, since then until uh, I rewatched it for this. Mm-hmm. I can't so, imagine um, why you would prefer forward. the full Monty over Brass Dog. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, it is, I would say the full Monty is more uplifting. Yeah. Um, yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah, this is a bit more real, real. It is, it is. Hard hitting. Stuff. I mean, going on from all, all those wonderful awards mm-hmm. uh, that it won um, on the continent, Tokyo. In the US, I don't think it was quite as well received. Mm-hmm. It was um, it was promoted in the US as a quote-unquote delightfully entertaining romantic comedy. <laughs> um, I don't know if you've oh seen... Oh, my word. I don't know if you've seen the American poster for it. If I can, I'll, I'll, I'll put, a, not, I'll put um... a picture of it on the uh, on the Facebook. Okay. Um, it is not a poster for this film. It is a poster okay. for some other film, not this film. Is it the one with, like, Andy and Gloria, just, like, back-to-back uh, back on the yes, front, looking really exactly. happy and Exactly, yeah, fun. I think leaning on each yeah. other. As yeah, they it's, do not in this. it's not that film, no. No, it really isn't. Well, maybe it's this film that made them realise that when they were releasing the full Monty in America, they needed a guidebook to the lingo and the language. Possibly, possibly. Maybe it was because of Brastoff they thought we'd better help the Americans out with this. Apparently, there are some US versions which were subtitled and some were overdubbed. Right? Oh, wow. Uh, Yeah. Wow, it's, it's surely no, it's not that hard to understand. I wouldn't have thought so. I wouldn't have thought so. But um, yeah, I had a look just to see really about the the, the US reviews. If you go on uh, on Amazon, sorry, I need to stop saying Amazon. So <laughs> many many other retailers are available. Other conglomerates. Yes. Are available. <laughs> uh, but uh, if you look on the US site, it, it does have a good rating. Mm-hmm. Again, lots of one or two stars from people who can't get in the packaging or whatever. Oh, but, I read a bad um, contest result. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. But um, mostly positive. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, a couple of, of reviews saying that everyone speaks in a, a Northern England accent, which they found impenetrable. <laughs> I mean, it's not train spotting, is it? No. Um, and there's no, there's no like, sorry, lad, you got to watch or whatever. Go there's there's nothing few. like there's that. There's very few. Yeah. You know, we'll come back to, um, to favourite scenes and favourite lines. But, uh, but yeah, I wouldn't have thought it was that difficult to mm. understand. But apparently so. So it is definitely not a Hollywood film. It it's is definitely, definitely not. It, in, in, uh, under how British is this, how non-Hollywood is it, it's like 100% non- I've rated it super British. Super British, yeah. Um, set, and, set in and filmed in the UK, British cast and crew, mm-hmm. produced by Channel 4 Films. And prominent features who made a fish called Wanda as well. So, oh. yep, properly 
properly British. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is it rewatchable? Obviously, you would say so. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And why? Well, for me, um, rewatchable because I love the music. I do love the the story because I think it's got a bit of everything. As much as it's dealing with a very sort of strong political story, yeah, it puts loads of comedy in there. There's drama. There's love. You need a nice little romance story going on. There is. It is not you know, a romantic comedy. It's not a romantic a comedy, thread. but there is plenty of comedy in there yeah. to to lighten the tone at various points. And I don't know how much yeah. of it is particularly northern. Hmm. How much of the comedy is particularly northern, but uh, yeah, I think it's just the... sort of bants of that era. It is bants, it? yeah, bant. rather than you know cracking jokes. Yeah. yeah, it is more. It is more banter. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I agree with you. The soundtrack's wonderful, mm-hmm. and Pete Postlethwaite <sighs> is unbelievable. You just got to watch everything and anything with him in. It's just, it's just. We'll go. We'll mm-hmm. we'll move on to cast and uh, an MVP. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm just going to go MVP. Right, right out of the <laughs> right out of the gates. <laughs> yeah, Pete Postlethwaite. Yeah, MVP. He's just in ev- in everywhere. Yeah, definitely. Um, I watched it. He's from. I didn't know. I didn't know this. I'm embarrassed that I didn't know this. He's from Warrington. He is. I did not know this. Yeah, I've got. He's from Wazza. He's from Wazza. <laughs> he went to West Park Grammar School in St Helens. Oh, did he? Yeah, he oh, did. I didn't know that. How did I not know wow. this? How did I not know this? Oh, that's cool. Um, Steven Spielberg has called him the best actor in the world. I'm not sure he got to show his acting chops in uh, Lost World, Jurassic Park. <laughs> so, um, but uh, yeah, I genuinely forgot uh-huh. he wasn't from Yorkshire. Yeah, I know, yeah. I watched, um, I don't know, have you got it on DVD? Yeah. Have you watched the DVD extras where the cast are chatting? Yeah, yeah. And when he started talking and words started coming out of his mouth, mm-hmm. I just thought, what's that accent? <laughs> What's what is he doing there? <laughs> when you've just watched the film yeah. and then you just watch it. Unbelievable. Like, eh? <laughs> Absolutely unbelievable. Mm-hmm. I think he's the only one in there. Apart from um, uh, Jim Carter, who plays Harry the Conductor, mm-hmm. he's actually from Harrogate. Right. Um, apart from that, none of the cast are from Yorkshire. Yeah, um, yeah they're like a good mishmash of like. They're from all over. Down south and. North east. Lil Roughly apparently is from Prescott. Oh, right, okay. So that's not too far from us. Right. But, yeah, we've got Scousers and, yeah. Scottish. Yeah, people. Scottish, yeah. 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 So Although, as, as we established... British casting. We established last month that, um, that Celtic actors, mm-hmm. they can do accents. They can do they accents, yes. Yeah, My for some can. reason. But, yeah, I think all the other actors, apart from Pete Postlethwaite, their accents are a little bit shaky. It's yeah. fair to say. Yeah. But Pete Postlethwaite, I believed that he's from Yorkshire. Yeah. I believed he's a conductor. Mm-hmm. I believed he was ill. There was not one scene uh-huh. in that film where I did not 100% believe in his I carriage. Know. I think he's amazing. He is amazing. I love the fact that he can... Like, in this film, he's a real sweetie. And, you know, he's everyone's, like, a little bit scared, scared of him. Yeah. Yeah. Because he's, like, you know, the old man. But... Yeah. Um, he is a real sweetie and a soft touch and stuff. And then you get other roles that he's played where, mm. like, he was in Sharp. And he plays this really horrible, awful character. And yeah. it's Pete Postlethwaite. And he's just brilliant because he can just do both. He's he can do lovely. And he can do really wicked as well. Yeah. Great actor. Very Absolutely. much missed. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> Honourable mentions to... Um, Stephen Tompkinson. Mm-hmm. Let's discuss his character. 
Yeah. I struggle a little bit with his character. It seems a little tonally uneven. Oh, go on. Go on. What are you know. What are you thinking? Again, there were lots of lots of love, lots of love for for Tompkinson mm-hmm. on um, on the reviews. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I find his character a bit odd. I'd like a bit more of his backstory because obviously we know he's been in prison. Yeah. Um, so we can only assume that that was as a result of being involved in the riots yeah, during the, yeah. the minor strike. So he, and, and when he loses his temper in this film, he, he really, really loses, loses it. it. And he, he's not the kind of person you'd want to be on the wrong side mm-hmm. of. But then he's got other other parts, other little personality traits where he just seems a bit dozy. Oh, and a yeah. bit soft touch and a bit, you know, a bit hempecked. Yeah, I know. And... and I don't know. I think I believed him more as the clown. I think he's just... He comes across as just like a really stressed out... Maybe that's what it is. ...torn up character, doesn't he? Because he is is torn between, like, his duty to his dad and his duty to his family. So, you know... I think he's playing a very complicated character. Yeah. Well... Mm-hmm. Who's pulled in lots of different directions, mm-hmm. isn't he? Mm-hmm. But um, there were just little bits where I struggled to fully empathise with him because he seems to kind of turn on a sixpence between being one yeah. type of character and, and another. Yeah. But um, when he's convincing, he's very convincing. Oh, I know. Yeah. I know. I love his character. Yeah. I know what you mean, though. Yeah. yeah. He's a difficult one to figure out. He is. I mean, th- when I was watching it the second time, the bit where they um, where they have the meeting and they announce the the increase uh, in the redundancy offer mm-hmm. and he says nothing yeah but something happens on his face but that face it's yeah. just something happens on where his face where he just looks really like subtle. he's just had all the earth ooh. punched out of him uh, oh how much mm-hmm. how much money mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know and it just yeah and you can imagine that there was a lot of people in that position like yes. I think. Your writer director, is it? Sorry, I've forgotten his name already. Uh, Mark is it Herman. Mark, Mark Herman. Herman. Yeah. I want to say Mike for a second. Mark Herman, he, he's obviously seen because he's from that area. Yeah. He's seen like of course, yeah. those conversations or the effects those conversations have had on people. Yeah. To know that like that was like a real, real tearing up moment of communities, wasn't it? Uh, absolutely. Because obviously people want didn't want the pits to close. Mm-hmm. But then there are some people who were in lots of debt for whom twenty eight thousand pounds at that time yeah. would have been a, a you know a way out of all get the out to jail for you guys, yeah, isn't definitely, it, really? literally in some yeah. cases, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, he's a complicated character. Mm-hmm. Um I think when we talk about like ensemble um, mm. awards, you know, these guys I would say would deserve an ensemble oh, award for the cast because they're amazing. I didn't even look it up. No, me neither. <laughs> Footnote. Unlike the Full Monty the following year, which won, the Brastoff cast didn't even get a nomination at the 1997 Screen Actors Guild Awards. The cast of The Birdcage picked up the award, which comprised of Hank Azaria, Christine Baranski, Dan Futterman, Gene Hackman, Nathan Lane, Diane West, and the late great Robin Williams. They, oh, wow. I will give them an award. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you can have. Let's the give them an award. Betty and Rita ensemble award. Because yeah. I mean, between them, wow! Like just looking over, like all the TV and film credits that the whole cast have got. Yeah. I, it's like the who's who of British TV programs and films and things. It's huge. They yes. have been in so much stuff collectively. It's true. I particularly like the uh, the cameo from uh, well an extended cameo I suppose from Bernard Wrigley, 
uh, yeah. the, uh, the Bolton Bullfrog. <laughs> yeah. Because all I can think of him as is Dodgy Eric in Phoenix Nights. Oh, yeah. With the, uh, <laughs> with the inflatable, uh, oh, the bouncy castle. The bouncy castle. castle. The, the bouncy snake. castle. <laughs> <laughs> it's hilarious. So like, very much like the full Monty, mm-hmm. it's got a predominantly male cast. Yeah. Again, I think that comes because of the uh, the subject matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it's about the you know the the, the breaking down of industry. Mm-hmm. In Full Monty's case, it's the steel industry. This is the coal mining industry. So yeah. most of the characters are, are male, but um, we have got quite a few women. Yeah. And I would argue it is definitely a more movie. Yeah, me too. Absolutely. The, yeah. the I mean, for starters, the female characters seem while they've not got like massive parts to play they seem pretty well rounded and they're quite strong characters aren't they definitely especially um is it vera and ida sue johnston and mary healy's characters yes. they're absolute yeah. belters they are i love them too yeah they're i wrote funny. down that they have a conversation over the garden wall in the first five minutes yeah that is not to do with a man it i mean it not. might be uh, you could argue it's it's around the husbands they're talking about the subscriptions yeah well, but technically, they're talking about brass bands. They are talking about brass bands, yeah. <laughs> we'll get yeah. around it that way and say they're talking about brass bands. Definitely. But um, they have the conversation with uh, Gloria as well. They do. When she's trying to find her way to the Collier's Arms. They do, <laughs> yeah. Is, yeah, that's funny. Yeah, well, that's do you know where the job. Collier's Arms are? Hanging off his shoulders. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and then they chat with each other when they're in the hairdressers, having the hair done mm. purple. Oh, I love the reactions. Um, Ooh! <laughs> Looks like one of your dudes, to be fair. It does a little bit, yeah. 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 <laughs> I've been that colour, I'm sure. I think you have, definitely. I don't think Maybe I'm... not intentionally. I've but... never dyed... I mean, as much as people have implored me to in brass bands, I've never dyed yeah. my hair to match the colour of the band's no. uniform that I'm playing for. No. Especially not my current one, because that would be, like, green. Very, sort of, bright green, yeah. I guess. And... Uh, yeah, that I might be don't think I could get away with that at work. Not going to win the department prize. No. Well, you, we wouldn't in my band anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Which shall remain nameless, I think. <laughs> yeah, <probably. laughs> definitely. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, so you've got you've got the female characters and the, the, the as you said, the strong women. Um, there is quite, I mean, I know it's, it's set in 1992. Mm-hmm. There is quite a sexist attitude, though, yes. running through the film. Yeah, there is. Um, yeah. And I... I mean, I'm giving it a pass mm-hmm. on the basis that this is a community where the men go out to work. It's a very traditional, it's a very trad community, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. And maybe back in 92, we were less enlightened. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. It seemed like, a, you know, we've 1992 like long ago. But... It feels like we've come on a long way in a short period of time with regards to yes. like how women are talked about and how... Yeah, women are regarded in the sense of the workplace and the place. Well, I was going to say their place at home, but that's not what I mean. But that yeah. they're not just there to cook and clean. Yeah, uh, I mean the fact that it was made in ninety six, set in ninety two. Like I say, it's not exactly a period piece. So mm-hmm. the lines that are in it that are being a bit sexist towards the women. Yeah, they're not put in for comedy value, are they? They're probably reflecting. I don't know. Yeah, they're reflecting think... the attitudes at the time. Yeah, but I think like the conversation about whether women can, 
urinating <laughs> in the wind. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. That's know, quite funny. I mean, it is hilarious. Yeah. And it also, like, kind of shows the ignorance of the fellas as well. <laughs> Can they put any direction on it? Yeah. I think it's always described. <laughs> I mean, it does come round at the end where it is just taking the mick out of the wives. Yeah. But... You know, it, it does show the ignorance of the fellas, I think, too. It's It does, yeah. They said, oh, there's so much that women do that's pointless. Yeah. You know, what's the equivalent of, yeah. of urinating in the wind? You know, mm-hmm. what do women do that's pointless? Oh, yeah. so much. You know, and it's like, oh, really? That's yeah. not, you know. And at the end of the, towards the end of the film, spoiler alert, when it comes back that the miners have voted to yeah. close the pit and take redundancy, you know, um, Harry's wife, she really shows, like everything that she's put into that campaign. Yeah. Like yeah. she's absolutely devastated. It's not yeah. it's not her job. She's no. been she's been fighting for not just for her husband's job, but for her community yeah. and and with the other women. Definitely. Like for that solidarity. So as much as there's bits in the film like that that are yeah. maybe we would say the disrespectful and, uh-huh. and things like that, you know, it does sort of come round at the end towards the end of the film, like the value of women in that community and yeah. that the fellas would actually be super lost without them. I don't think that's made as clear as it could be, to be honest. Yeah. Because the argument on the doorstep with, with Harry mm-hmm. seems like it's come out of nowhere mm-hmm. and it's not really very well explained, I don't think. And like I say, to me, I, I remember seeing the women outside. Well, not mm-hmm. just women, to be honest, but I remember seeing the protests outside the pits. Yeah. You know, maybe if people that are, you know, from non-mining towns mm-hmm. um, or from other countries goodness you know they might not quite understand yeah. what it is she's doing yeah you know what the not. women are doing but mm-hmm. um, but yeah they obviously are mm-hmm. um, you know doing their bit aren't they or trying to yeah definitely um, so um, so yeah the, the, it's it's a little bit yeah the, the banter's a little bit dated the banter on the bus as well and the Gloria <laughs> what's her surname <laughs> tell you oh, what though <laughs> it is a brass band cultural thing as well is I've got to say yeah is, it's still like it's sometimes still a it's a behind. bit like a boys club okay so okay. you know Fair enough. there's, there's yeah. some I mean it's obviously improved massively yeah but there's still times when it's like that yeah yeah and you either like get along with it or you don't yes and you know but it is it's improving definitely improving good yeah uh i mean some of it is funny Mm. um she blows flugel like a dream (laughs) (laughs) and he genuinely doesn't know what he said because he's totally immersed he's 100 percent immersed in the music isn't but that's it like vera and either they turn that round on danny yeah so they're having their own sort of cheeky banter back at him so you know the women can be just as as naughty true in what they say with you know towards the fellas yeah. as well you know they can take the mick any other favourite lines? <laughs> uh, th- yeah there's a lot of my favourite lines in this film but um, <laughs> just, a, just a few quick ones it's a bloody euphonium <laughs> yeah <laughs> Because how many times have people said to me, oh, you play the trumpet? And I'm like, no. <laughs> I play the trombone. Oh, is that the slide? Is that that one that you do that with? And then make this weird gesture. And I'm like, yes, that's that one. Is that the Johnny Briggs instrument? Oh, the Johnny Briggs, yeah. Can you play the Johnny Briggs theme tune? <laughs> Can you, though? Uh, Actually, not I've, very well. I've heard you play the Johnny Briggs theme tune. <laughs> um, a bit clumsy with the crockery or Sandra. <laughs> yeah. Which is hilarious. But then, yeah, there's a couple of there's a couple of serious good lines as well. Like what we were saying about Phil's character before, mm-hmm. you know, 
Um, he has his moments where you really just want to give him a bit of a hug and like when he's in hospital and his dad's yeah. also in hospital and the nurse says, is this man bothering oh, you? And he yeah. says, of course he is, he's my dad. dad. And I'm like, oh, oh, mate. That I, line gets me like... I know. Every time. I know. Um, I think the problem is, all my favourite lines are funny. Yeah. Um, I mean, just, just the... Just the kind of northern um, the things that maybe, you know, you wouldn't get elsewhere. But yeah. just like the, the silly, you know, them daft apiths calling people daft apiths. <laughs> yeah. Park your bum. Yeah. <laughs> just a little northernism. I love them. I know. Um, oh, and then um, when, when they're going out with all the all the gear, um, all the brass instruments, we just fancied a game of golf. <laughs> yeah. Bandless. And I think I love, I love the exchange. I know it's really cheesy, but I, I love it. Do you want to come up for a coffee? Yeah. I don't drink coffee. I haven't got any. I haven't got any. <laughs> yeah. It's, I know it's really I cheesy, know. but I like that. I love Tara Fitzgerald's, like, Yorkshire attempted accent at that point as I well. Like, I, I love brilliant. it when they do this. I love it when they do this in a film. They do point out that she's been away to London. Yes. So it's like, yeah. I know her accent's a little bit shonky, mm-hmm. but we're going to explain that away <laughs> by saying that she spent quite a lot of time in London. Yeah, that's yeah. fine. That works. It does, yeah. So all my favourite lines tend to be like, you know, funny things, little mm. funny throwaway things. Mm-hmm. But all the favourite scenes are real serious. Yeah. 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 I mean all the music. Mm-hmm. All all the All the bits in like the, the band scenes. room and the competitions yes, and definitely. stuff. Definitely. Yeah. I mean the oh the the orange juice um, uh, concerto. Oh my. It's a good piece of music, that isn't is it? It's a good piece of music. Yeah. That's proper spine tingling, mm-hmm. isn't it? Have you heard it on the classical guitar? Which Ooh. is what it was written for, I think, I if I remember rightly. I haven't really. Uh, it sounds amazing. Yes. Yeah. I will definitely have to check that yeah, out. Yeah, I've, I've listened to it on Gorgeous classical guitar. Music. It's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. But I tell you what, it doesn't have work on a flugelhorn as well. Yeah. It's a gorgeous piece of music. It is. Um, and I think that's probably one of the less recognisable songs mm-hmm. from the soundtrack that people perhaps yeah, because, won't be familiar with outside of brass banding communities. Yeah, but even, I, I mean, it's only really become popular in, in brass bands properly because of that film. I oh, don't really? think it was ever like a big right. sort of feature in brass band programmes until, right? until like the film came out and obviously everyone was going mad to play it oh, and that's everyone was going mad to hear it so now it's like pretty much you can guarantee if you're flugelhorn soloist is going yeah. to do a solo in a concert they're probably going to do, do that yeah i i assumed obviously wrongly i assumed that because they have this little colloquial name for it they call it the orange, orange juice. juice you know i thought oh this must be a well-known brass band piece of music yeah yeah um oh, that's interesting but i mean that yeah that, that's been arranged amazing. for brass band for a long time yeah because it's just i mean been... flipping neck i've played some handwritten copies of it look yeah. <laughs> ancient <laughs> but um yeah it's i don't think it was like a proper staple part yeah. of a concert program or anything until yeah. brass off yeah oh that that's great then isn't it mm-hmm. that's good that it's brought into the spotlight yeah definitely. but yeah i mean that 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 is wonderful the semi-final at the peace hall Mm-hmm. Um, I've never been there. It looks amazing. It I want does to go look to amazing. There. Yeah. <laughs> is, it, is it Halifax? It is. Yeah. Um, I don't think competitions have ever been held no, there for brass bands. No, I doubt it. I did. I did a lot of research yeah. into this, and I couldn't find that there has. Um, there's concerts and things go on there. Yeah. But never a competition. It just looks like an amazing building. Yeah. It does. Yeah. It looks gorgeous. Um. So I like that bit. I like every time that you and McGregor loses at pool. 
Is that the world's worst <laughs> pool player? Just keeps betting. <laughs> but yeah, he's the world's worst. But yeah, other than that, my favourite scenes are, are all the sad bits. Mm-hmm. I mean, it sounds awful, but his breakdown at the children's party, Phil's yeah, breakdown. I know. I don't. I don't mean it's my favourite scene. It's not like a rewatchable scene. It's not like a wind up back <laughs> and watch. Oh yeah, I love this bit where he completely loses it and swears at all the yeah. kids and starts blaspheming all over the place. Mm-hmm. But it's just so. He's hit rock bottom, hasn't yeah, he? Yeah, really has. Yeah, um, it's and it's, to watch. it's a prop. It is hard to watch, but it's a yeah. it's an excellent scene. He does some proper acting. Yeah, you can totally sympathise with every yeah. sort of emotion that he's going definitely. through. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, I so, read a little bit of very good. trivia on that as well. Yeah, um, Stephen Tomkinson was a little bit worried about all the cursing, right, in a church and in front oh, okay. of children yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. So apparently. Um, he did the scene in the church. Right. And he kind of like just came to terms with that's yeah, what he was gonna yeah. have to do to film uh, that scene. But the reaction shots from the kids, they mm-hmm. filmed those separately. Right. So when he was making that speech, the kids oh, weren't there. Just to try so and make thoughtful. it easier on him because he was just yeah. like, I don't wanna do all this cursing yeah, yeah. And, and, and be so angry and stuff well, in front of a group of little six year olds. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that was quite nice. That's all. really thoughtful. Yeah. He's going up in my estimation all the time. Oh, I love Stephen Tompkinson. Yeah. Do you remember Ballycus Angel? Did you ever watch that? I never watched it. No, See, I, no. I watched that religiously when I was a yeah. kid. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't know if I just watched it of my own accord or if it was something my mum watched or whatever, yeah. but I remember him from that and I absolutely adored that programme purely because he was in it. Oh. So I've always loved Stephen Tompkinson. Yeah, he, he does. He has a oh, he has a tough time in this film. <laughs> Bless oh, God, no. draws, he really does. He does. Um, and obviously the... Um, uh, all of Danny's speeches, oh, wonderful. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, but the, I think my favourite, my favourite bit is the Royal Albert Hall. Yeah, the final and Harry conducting with his fists. Oh no, <laughs> with no baton. Yeah, just going for just it. Just absolutely well yeah. in it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that scene amazing. is amazing. Yeah, it is fantastic. But um, I've got to say. You know, oh, we'll come back to it for a nitpick later. Oh, okay. <laughs> come back okay. to it for a nitpick because I don't want to take away from the fact that Danny's speech in the Albert Hall is absolutely, it is amazing. It's it's got to it be one of the greatest scenes out of the film. And um, I was going to do this on the soundtrack, but um, mm-hmm. the song Tub Thumping by yeah. Chumbawamba, if you listen to the full version, not the radio edit, it's got the sample um, of Danny's speech oh, right. at the beginning oh, okay. of it. Yeah. Um, truth is, I thought it mattered. I thought that music mattered, but does it? Bird song. Yeah. <laughs> Not compared to does other people matter. That's at the beginning of, oh, uh, of Tub Thumping. Wow. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's it. Speech. I, that speech is like, it rings true for obviously what the subject matter was back in the 90s, but yeah. my word, does it <laughs> ring true now as well? Yeah. And definitely. Like, obviously, he's talking in the context of music there as well and, and music's another industry that's getting absolutely wasted. True. Yeah. Like the arts, it's just it's drowning, isn't it? At the moment. Sorry, getting well, a bit real here, getting a bit no, real. No, I was just I was just because I've written down at one point what is this what is this film actually about? Yeah. Because you if you were asked what it's about, you'd say it's about brass banding. Mm-hmm. But even Danny himself at the end of the film essentially says it doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. It yeah. doesn't matter. So it, me- it it did leave me thinking at the end. So what is it about then? Community. Yeah. <laughs> it's community. It's about it? people matter. People's people matter. matter. Yeah. Yeah. That mm-hmm. that's what you can sum Money up doesn't as. matter. Music doesn't matter. Yeah. People matter. People matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, we've dragged ourselves down. Oh, no. Let's do. Is there any running? Because I love the clown shoes. 
I love the running in the class. That was me. Aww. Actual documentary footage of me running in my booty slippers to get the, to get the washing in out of the hail earlier on. Oh, that was me. I can imagine. <laughs> but it's just, it's so peculiar. It's like light relief, isn't mm-hmm. it? In the middle of all that's going on. Yeah. Just Stephen Tompkins running in those shoes. Yeah, It's just unintentionally <laughs> hilarious. Yeah. I think that is the only running. There's the oh, there's the sad bit of running where Danny collapses. Oh, and they all leg it up the street to him. Yeah, there's that bit. That's sad. But I think that's about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not not much running. There's no real good running. There's no recreational running because they're all absolutely knackered, presumably from working down the pits. Yeah, yeah. Um, Any good food? (laughs) Yeah, who's the haddock? (laughs) Fish and chips. Yeah, posh. Posh chippy tea, that's posh that. Posh. That's, it's a sit down chippy yeah, tea. Sit down chippy yeah. tea, you can't beat that. Definitely. Um, I love the service at, uh, at In God We Trust. In God We Trust. I love it when she just throws the cutlery down yeah. on the table. I love it. Um, <laughs> bang, bang. And there, there, is a, there is a sign as well that uh, advertises sausage, egg, and chips and pie and peas for £1.75 at the Lantern, which is very reasonable. Bargain? I thought, yeah. Colour. But uh, I think that's about it in terms of food. Yeah, I can't think of anything else. There's no, lots quite of a lot of beer. booze. Yeah, yeah, there's lots of Quite beer. a lot of booze. Which is, I, I do have this written down, because uh, uh, you can give us insider knowledge. Do players actually match carrying their pints? Because I was impressed. <laughs> if, that, if people can do that, I'm super impressed. Um, well, I reckon I've not done it personally myself, but I'm fairly certain that especially towards later in the evening at Whitwalks, there will be people marching along, holding their hold. beer and playing at the same yeah. time. But it depends on your instrument, yes. whether you can hold you it one-handed or not. Trombone, presumably. Well, not unless you just want to play, like, C's and G's and the top <laughs> E occasionally. Yeah. Y- yeah, you can't really do it. With no. Uh, there's a few times when I've said to my dad or whoever, hold my pint and go and play. <laughs> <laughs> you know, things like that. Yeah. But, um, yeah. The, yeah, the beer, the beer quantity, I would say, is fairly accurate. Right. Throughout the brass band scenes. Impressive. Yeah. So so is it a bit far-fetched, or is it entirely <laughs> factual? Okay, so... The, um, uh, I suppose nitpicking. Back nitpicking to a little nitpick. This. Yeah. And it is only a little one. Yeah. So um, when they refer to them playing at Halifax Peace Hall and they call it the semi-finals, yeah. well, it's not a semi-final. So uh, the insider knowledge is that every year bands in the sort of regional area Mm -hmm. go to a competition called the Areas. (laughs) Right. Um, And so, yeah, it's not called a semi-final because you've not done any competing before then to get to that competition. You just sign up to that competition, you play, and then if you usually come in the top two, you get to go... If you're in right. the championship section, by the way, you get to go to the Albert Hall. Right. So, yeah, it's a, that's my nitpick. That is all it is. I suppose they just have to make it more simple. Mm-hmm. Don't they? And whenever anyone mentions regionals, I just mm-hmm. think about Glee. I know. So, yeah. <laughs> so it probably wouldn't help. Because I never understood what I it think meant about Glee, Glee and bring it on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think, it, sadly, it's not far-fetched. Mm-mm. In terms Mm-mm. of um, you know the pit closures and whatnot, yeah. I think it's unlikely that the National Coal Board would send someone who's from Grimley, um, Gloria, yeah. to report on the pit at Grimley, knowing fine well that she's going to know a lot of people there. Mm. That's far fetched. Even but if it's... she has requested it, yeah. I In fact, I think it. they'd be less likely to let her go if she had requested it. Yeah. Because I suppose 
I suppose, though, they do say that they made the decision to close the mine um, two years yeah, before. that scene. So, yeah. You just want to... horrible. You just want to kind of bop him, don't you? Because you genuinely do. Many apologies. Stage invasion by special guest star Watson T. Cat. Um, I, I don't know. I do believe him when he says to her, your, your report is important oh, in an earlier no. scene. You know, I believe him. and But then, obviously, it it's just lying through the decision's teeth. made. So, yeah, I suppose I suppose they could send who they like, can't they, if they already know they're mm. trusting it. But that's one thing I thought, ah, that wouldn't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, again, you, you probably know this more than me. They seem to... The, the pieces that they play mm-hmm. at the Royal Albert Hall seem... I, I don't know anything about test pieces. Yeah. I'm thinking that William Tell Overture, Colonel Bogey... <laughs> um, <laughs> um, all things bright and beautiful. I'm guessing... Those are not test pieces. No, I mean, there's there's no test piece that I know of that mm-hmm. incorporates those. So, yeah, I would say that is unrealistic. But it's just for the soundtrack, isn't it? But, yeah, it's, yeah. it's for the soundtrack, it's of fine. Course. And, yeah, you get... Sometimes they'll go proper old school and pick mm-hmm. out, like, an original piece of music for that competition. Yeah. But more often than not, it's usually something that's been specifically written for that contest or it's an arrangement right, okay. of other music for that contest. So, yeah, yeah, it's, it, yeah not not totally realistic, though. But it makes for a fab soundtrack. Oh, yeah, Martin, Florentina March. Which one's that? Uh, it's the one they play at Halifax Peace Hall. Oh, yes, yeah. 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 It's, oh, it's such a good piece of music. Yeah. Love it. And a lot of the pieces of music, they're used to kind of frame little montages as well, mm-hmm. aren't they? Yeah. So mm-hmm. it kind of moves the story on, but you've still got that wonderful music yeah real real good use of music i mean my own my last nitpick before we probably do move on to soundtrack mm-hmm. um is am i missing something were how does danny get the from the to hospital london. how does he get <laughs> yeah, to london and where does sandra get the money from to get to london she's not on the True. bus so i'm thinking that maybe danny gets on his bike and um and sandra just you know hops on the back <laughs> um, but, well, you know, it seems like Sandra's surprised time. him, though, doesn't it? With the exactly, kids. exactly. So she's so, so she's not on the bus. He's gone on the bus, but yeah, she must she's have not come on the down bus. as a surprise. Well, where she got yeah. the money from from that? She, maybe she was not. already down there. Maybe she was for some reason. Yeah, maybe probably she was. not. But how does Danny get there? I mean, yeah. I feel like that's a deleted scene. I just feel like it's it's a you know. I reckon. Should know. I'm going to make the story up now. Go on, go for it. So, go for it. You get some people going on the band bus to somewhere like London for the competition. Yeah. And then you get some people that'll just drive. So I reckon okay. that Danny's rang one of his brass band buds and said, are you going are you down going... to Thalbert right. Hall? okay. And they said, hi, do you want a lift? So he's gone, yeah, I'll have a lift. Okay, I don't, want to, just, see, I don't want to see that deleted scene anymore. That sounds boring. <laughs> but it's, it's at least well, a probably, legitimate... It's not very interesting, it's a legitimate... but it is a legitimate okay. I'll, uh, I'll way that he would have got there. I'll give you that. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, so the soundtrack we we already said was uh, it's by the it's mostly at least the brass band pieces are by Grimethorpe Colliery Band. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just wonderful, wonderful. Uh, recorded at Abbey Road, produced, orchestrated, and conducted by Trevor Jones, mm-hmm. who you know I like credits. Trevor Jones obviously is credited as the producer of the music, um, the orchestrator of the music, the conductor of the music. He's also credited as person with most credits. Oh, nice. In the credits. Go, which, Trevor Jones. Exactly, yeah. So, um, and, and you did a bit of research on Trevor Jones. He seems to have done everything. Yeah, so he's a bit of a monster in the composition world. Yeah. Um, yeah, so he's done a lot of uh, a lot of film scores. 
and uh, he got uh, BAFTA nominated for the Breast Off soundtrack. Quite right. He got nominated for Best Original Film Score for Last of the Mohicans. Oh, okay. Yeah. And he was nominated for um, another BAFTA award for Best Original Film Score for Mississippi Burning, but I don't know that film. Do you? um, Do you know what? I'm ashamed to say I haven't seen it. I think it's on Netflix and I keep thinking that I should watch it. Uh Um, So you've reminded me. I'll pop that back on my list. He seemed to to win ASCAP Film and Television Music Awards for Notting Hill and Cliffhanger 2. For Notting Hill. Not Cliffhanger 2. Not Cliffhanger. <laughs> I didn't know they did the sequel. Two. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I need to check that out. Cliffhanger 2. As well. Hanging Hard. Yeah. <laughs> or something like that. I don't know. Uh, well, there you go. So, You've yeah, got he's, your. Um, he's, yeah, he's got a lot of, a lot of uh, good. A lot of credits, credits behind him there, yeah. You've also got your connection to Richard Curtis there. I do, thank goodness. Oh, well Because I had forgot to do one. <laughs> in the nick of time. <laughs> thank in the nick of time. Rita spotted that I had stumbled across one. <laughs> I, I struggled a little bit and then I got one. Um, and it's Ewan McGregor, um, who obviously plays Andy in mm-hmm. Brastoff. Um, he played um, Obi-Wan, Ben Kenobi in The Phantom Menace. Now... You'll have to... It's a little bit tenuous, this. Okay, go on. It's a bit tenuous. Yeah. Uh, he played um, Obi-Wan Kenobi in The Phantom Menace, which, yeah. which you'll remember is the episode one. Episode one, yeah. Okay. He reprises that role uh-huh. in a voice cameo in episode seven. Right. Oh, does he? He does. Okay. It's a real blink and you'd missed it. Okay. But um, there's a point where uh, I think Ray is looking down a corridor and she hears lots of voices going on and I think Alec Guinness is in there and okay. Yoda is in there all of that kind of stuff yeah, exactly okay. all that mumbo jumbo <laughs> and, uh, and Ewan McGregor says these are your first steps I don't know who that was it was a terrible accent uh, but that's what he says <laughs> he says these are your first steps so he's in episode 7 right technically yeah technically yeah as is Domhnall Gleeson he plays General oh, Hux oh so he is yeah yeah okay um, Captain of all the vitamin D. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, sorry, a little fantasy joke there. Um, and he also plays Tim in About Time, uh-huh. which is written and directed by Richard Curtis. Hey. Thank you. Well done. There we go. That, was that is, uh, yeah, it is a tricky the, one, isn't it? It is, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I'm glad I got the Star Wars connection, even though it is a little tenuous. A little tenuous. I, no, I don't think so. I think that's solid. Yeah. <laughs> solid homeworking. Everything is connected to Richard Curtis. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Um, has it dated? We talked about the um, attitudes to women being slightly dated. Yeah. I thought the cigarettes on display in the uh, in the shop. Yes. Amazing how quickly we've forgotten. Yeah. Um, it's only a few years ago that the smoking in the chippy as well. Whenever you see anyone smoking in a mm. restaurant in a film, you just think, oh, ooh. yeah, it's a bit it's odd, disconcerting. The uh, the sort of shower bus, I guess. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I do love that. I know. I mean, yeah. to be fair, you still get on those for doing brass bands <laughs> I bet. sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. That's the only thing left on wit walks. <laughs> shower buses. Um, the uh, quick save. Quick save! Quick save. Oh, I used to love quick save. I know. Just because there was nothing ever in there that was exciting. <laughs> so you just had to buy what you'd gone for. I used to love going into Quicksave and getting their um, their own no-frills chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> <Sound> with... <revolting. laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, but when you're like a ten year old so, with like twenty yeah. p pocket money, yes, you can yeah, afford sadly. two packs sadly. of them. Yeah, you're sorted. You're yeah. set for the day. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, uh, on the on the subject of shops, there's film, ca- actual camera film for sale in the oh, shop right. where yeah, um, okay. where Sue Johnson's characters uh, working, and I think caps, as in like for a cap gun. Oh, I was right. trying to work okay. out what it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, yeah. Yeah, they used to be all over the place. Yeah. Now you just get them in seaside resort sort yeah. of in joke shops, joke shops yeah, and stuff, exactly. don't you? But yeah, I remember getting those in like your local news agents and things. I do worry that in that scene that Vera's going to get sacked for giving customers money out the till. I know. Because I'm assuming that's not her money. It's I'm, definitely I'm sure not her will, money. I'm sure she will reimburse the shop later. But you know, maybe no <laughs> good that does it. But bless her for oh goodness! I that's mean, another... she's doing it with her best intentions, isn't she? Whatever it yes, is she is doing. That's another kind of slightly heartbreaking scene. It made me yeah. think of um, uh, I Daniel Blake mm-hmm. and the you know the food bank scene in that. It's one of yeah. those. Oh dear! But again, um, it's probably something that writer director. Mark Herman got, got experience of got yeah. experience of knows people that did things like that Definitely. to help the, the friends out you know in tough times like that. Definitely. The other thing that is dated is like uh, all male brass bands. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, obviously, yeah. you know, they changed the rules in this for Gloria. But what I like about that is when he says, "Oh, we don't normally take," and you think, "Oh, this is going to be a film about." Oh, they don't let women in the band. Yeah. But actually, he changes. He says, "Oh, we don't normally let." Outside, as in yeah, the band. yeah. Like, oh, okay. Fair He's trying to be sensitive. Yeah. He yeah. is, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you think, oh, I'll let you off. Yeah, but um, it, you know, up until about probably ten, fifteen years ago, there was still a lot of all male brass bands, right? Okay. In Britain, yeah, and it's. I don't think there is any anymore. No, I think this film definitely helped Recruitment. change. Yeah, yeah. That attitude. Yeah. I mean, I think partly because women kicked up more of a fuss over it. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, there's other reasons as well, like, you know, recruitment to brass bands, uh, well, to music in general now is, is getting harder, trying to get kids to play instruments and stick at it as well, yeah. uh-huh. for various reasons that we won't get too political to go into. But, um, you know, I think, you know, bands have realised that if they're going to have some sort of future, they've got to be more inclusive. Definitely, yeah. Definitely more inclusive. So, yeah, there's, there's no all-male brass bands anymore in this country, as far as I'm aware. There is, however, one all-female brass band oh, right on our doorstep. Interesting, really? Yeah, yeah. They've always been an all-female all brass band. How and interesting. I've known them to occasionally flex the rules if they've been struggling for a player or right. two for a concert yeah. and they'll let a fellow play. But mm-hmm. member-wise, they're still all girls. Interesting. And on their website it says girl power. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, right on sisters. But... Yeah. Um, that that's dated definitely yeah yeah definitely in a, in a good way yeah in a good way footnote one of the last all-male brass bands was Brighouse and Rastrick who appointed Laura Hurst their first female player 10 years ago in 2011 after 129 years of all-male history Trinity Girls Brass Band was formed in 1957 by Margaret Stokes who heard the musical efforts of the local boys' brigade and decided girls could do better. I think the only other thing that I wrote down that are dated is the fact uh, that the film presents being a children's entertainer as being a less secure job 
than uh, working in British industry, which I think, unless you discount, if you discount the last year, yeah, um, I think actually you're probably more likely to have a job for life if you're a clown. Yeah, probably. Than, uh, and we've got a few in government anyway, haven't we? So, mm-hmm. Yeah, they uh, make a good earning. So that's, uh, that, that's dated. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of it being COVID safe, um, there's lots of car sharing. There lots is of lots packed of buses. Sharing. Yeah, I've, I've written in capital letters, spit. <laughs> and I will yeah. elaborate on that. <laughs> yeah. For those of you we'll, that don't play brass instruments, <laughs> we'll draw a veil. Yeah. Yeah. We'll yeah. draw a veil over that. Um, <laughs> other film references. All the film references that I've written down are actually uh, films that have maybe have been influenced by this film rather than the other way around. Mm-hmm. Um, the Full Monty, obviously. I'm not yeah. suggesting it was influenced because they came out so closely. Uh, you know, in, in such close succession yeah. that I think, well, they're just both about very, very similar subjects, aren't they? Mm-hmm. They've both got a job club, they've both got a suicide attempt, they've got redundancy. Women who seem to be hanging around their fellas just because they provide money for them and disappear when, you know, times is hard. You know, yeah. all these same themes going through the film, but yeah. I don't think that's because of any kind of you know, copying. I yeah. think it's just that they're about very similar subjects, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Um, um, I wrote around Whiplash. Oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he's quite as scary. No, he's as, nowhere near uh, as scary. No, no. but at the no. beginning when they play that great piece of music and he just says it was rubbish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it just made me think of that. And also, and, and this is entirely random, but uh, Inception... I just thought maybe Pete Postlethwaite <laughs> was getting typecast as being like an old guy uh, <laughs> close to death. Oh, like his deathbed, yeah. yeah. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Entirely thematically different to, to this, yeah, uh, this film. Use. But uh, yeah, it just put me in mind of it. <laughs> <laughs> Could it start a franchise? Do we need a prequel or a sequel? It couldn't start a franchise, I don't think. No, no. Mm. I don't think it, it, no. it doesn't need I'm... it, yeah. I wouldn't say it needs a sequel or a prequel. I mean, other than, like you said, maybe to, like, flesh Phil's character out a bit and see what happened there, but I don't yeah. think you need an actual film to... There, to like you said, there, there, are certain, there are certain holes in the stories that mm. you'd like to know about. Mm-hmm. I mean, it would be interesting to find out what did happen ten years... I mean, obviously, we know the Minor Strikes happened mm. ten years ago, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, what did happen with, with Phil? Yeah. You know, how exactly did he end up in, in Wentworth? Yeah, because um, it sort of implies that none of the other guys did. Exactly. So what pushed him yeah. that far that he got so involved that he ended up in prison for it? Exactly. Because yeah. he seems to be in with a good crowd with the lads from the yeah. band, like that they look after him and yeah. stuff like that, you know. And I'd kind of be interested to know... I suppose the full Monty finishes in a similar way, um, in that it's uplifting. Mm. But really, it's uplifting for a night. Yeah. But then what do they do? But what I mean, we spoke about this yeah. on the podcast, what happens then? And yeah. I think this is the same, isn't it? Mm-hmm. You don't need a sequel, because yeah. I don't think there's a film there, no. really. But you do kind of feel like you want to know what happens. You know, you've got that uplifting moment where they, they play that amazing William Tell overture. It's mm-hmm. fantastic. Mm-hmm. They win. Then you've got Danny's powerful but actually quite depressing speech. Yeah. And then you've got that weird little bit on the bus at the end mm-hmm. um, with Land of Hope and Glory. <laughs> and then it ends. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it is uplifting, but then it's also... you. Know, so what happens? So I've got this written down, you know, what, what happens next? Danny, R.I.P. Yeah, Sadly. Probably not too... F- exactly. In the too distant future. There's really, yeah. unfortunately, nothing down from him. I've got uh-uh. Phil, full-time clown. 
Because I think, you know, <laughs> he seems actually pretty, <laughs> pretty good at it. I think he could make a living Aww. out of that. I don't know, because hold on, doesn't he, um, doesn't he accidentally smash that fella's watch? Because <laughs> <laughs> he's trying to do the trick with the watch. Scene, I'm genuinely <laughs> trying to work out, is he a rubbish clown? Or is he like, is that part of his act? You know, no, is not he? yet. I didn't say the magic word. <laughs> See, I, 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 I just like, I have to reassure myself that that's all part of the act. And he actually has just secreted that poor child's watch somewhere and, and, you know, all is going to be well. See, I get the impression from the conversation <laughs> as the mum's sort of walking him out that she that still is pays not... Him. She, she still pays him. She still she feels sorry for him. Maybe, yeah. Um, yeah. Like what he says at the end, do you remember us minors, oh, dinosaurs, so dodos minors? Like, I know. I think she just feels really sorry for him and yeah. knows he's trying his hardest. Maybe, you know? maybe. But uh, So maybe not a full-time <laughs> plan. I think he could work on it. Yeah. I'm thinking Gloria goes working for a non-profit... Maybe a credit union. Greenpeace. You know. Greenpeace, possibly. <laughs> possibly. Yeah. Um, the rest of them, I just don't know. Andy and Harry and Jim, what do they do? Well, I think they all just carry on banding because that's, yeah. that's what happened legit. Well, yeah, like, but you what know, do the they do for money? Playing, you know, they're out but, of... They're out, they're yeah, out of, money-wise. Yeah. I don't know. So you kind of... Well, obviously what happens to Andy is he, he becomes a heroin addict and uh, <laughs> moves to Scotland. <laughs> bad times. <laughs> yeah. Super bad times. Not sure about the others. But, yeah, you kind of almost want to know that everyone's okay. Yeah. It's that kind of film, isn't it? Yeah. Where you do care about the characters and you think, well, th- that was a nice ending, but what happens now? Yeah. You know. I think, like, you, th- you assume the older... Like banders and miners, they're yeah. all right. Like because the missus are working and they yeah. and obviously they'll get the redundancy pay. Yeah. So and, Which the, I guess and they don't have like young kids to look days. after and things. True. So True. you kind of assume that they just go right. Well, all right, I'm yeah. retired now. I guess. And the younger men, in fact, a lot of the younger men, it depicts that they're actually quite pleased. Yeah. They get the redundancy. The young, they go and get yeah, the job. Yeah, maybe gives them opportunity. I guess yeah. to go and do yeah. something else. Yeah. Definitely. As much as some of them don't want to. <clears throat> but yeah, I've just written again, I've just written, what, what's the film actually about? It's mm-hmm. about people. Mm-hmm. It's about, and that's that, that's what you're left with at the end. All yeah. those people on the bus. Oh, with the relationships and, you know, and yeah. it is, yeah. And for one night, they're just forgetting all the stuff they've left back at home. Exactly. Yeah. It's kind of, it's, it's heartwarming home. without being... Mm-hmm. Schmaltzy, yeah, I think at the end, isn't it? It doesn't sound like a very pleasant scene to have shot, though. No, <laughs> because as Tara Fitzgerald said something in an interview about riding round for hours. Yeah. But, well, it started at like three o'clock in the morning on that bus. Yeah. And it was cold. Yes. And it was kind of wet and miserable, and they kept having technical difficulties and hiccups apparently in the recording process up there. So it took them a good few hours to get. But you wouldn't, you wouldn't know. You wouldn't know. No. It's 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 nice. Yeah. yeah. Just take it at face value. It's a nice yeah, definitely. <laughs> and usually the things that are hardest to make mm-hmm. often turn out to be the best scenes mm-hmm. and the best films, don't they? Yeah. There's nothing worse than hearing that someone had a wonderful time making a film and they just had a laugh. Because it's generally terrible. Yeah. Um, but yeah, all the t- it's like Helm's Deep, isn't it? You know, <laughs> so all those things that were absolute hell to make. Yeah. It's worth make, it. Make, exactly. Yeah. It is yeah. worth it. They make they make for excellent scenes. Uh huh. Definitely. Yeah. Um, do we have any other business? I think we may have covered everything. Well, I've, all, I've just got a few little weeny bits of of random trivia. Go for it. We like trivia. Uh, so, did you know Ewan McGregor actually plays French horn? 
I, yeah, I did. Some of the others play um, play instruments as well, don't they? Oh, I don't, I don't know. Um, uh, Stephen Tompkinson plays trombone. Oh, does he? Now, I don't know how hey. well. I don't know how well. He may have learned it probably this film. <laughs> <laughs> Which was another question I was going to ask. Has your trombone ever come apart during a match? Uh, it has, but a smaller part of it. Okay. So, getting back to the spit. <laughs> Who knew before, there were so many parts? The, the spit key. Oh, okay. Funnily enough, uh, my very first Whip Friday March competition, wow. my water key, otherwise known yeah. as the spit key, nice. fell off. Ew. And I had to tie it back on with like a rubber band. Okay. Yeah. Bit of quick makeshift yeah. fixing. So, yeah, it, yeah. It, it, trombones just fall apart. <laughs> Clearly. <any point>. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly. I also know his pain of denting the end of your trombone oh, as well. Yeah, that does sound painful. <laughs> yeah, it's upsetting. Yeah. So I think it's it's pretty well known for anyone that's watched the film anyway that Tara Fitzgerald learned to play the flugelhorn. She Well, she at least learned the finger movements. Yeah, I think she could play it a little yeah, as well. Yeah. I mean, she only had it for like two months, so yeah. how well, I don't know. But uh, yeah, she she knew enough to how to make it look proper realistic and I think she does a really good job at that I was going to say are you convinced by all the because um, obviously a lot of the band are the band yeah. aren't they so yeah, yeah, you know yeah. they are actually playing um, mm-hmm. says, uh, Stephen Thompson plays the trombone Ewan McGregor plays the horn uh, Jim Carter and Philip Jackson play euphonium right Oh, but nice. again how well I don't know yeah. maybe enough for the but is everyone convincing do you think everyone's I reckon, convincing I reckon everyone does a stellar job of, yeah. of looking like they're playing proper and yeah. again Postlethwaite yeah. conducting I'm mm. convinced yeah. Yeah, yeah, he does it. Yeah. yeah, I've seen worse conductors <laughs> by a long way. And, and Harry so, yeah. throws himself into it at the moment. Yeah, oh, he does. Yeah, he I'm, does. Not sure it. I'm not sure about the technical uh, <laughs> nature of his conducting. But, uh, yeah. Um, uh, and one little sort of uh, thing that we missed earlier on as well, just from the humour side of it, uh-huh. was um, when we were talking about Incod We Trust, there's another yes. thing on the back of the band bus, like, it says New York, London, Paris, and Grimly, but mainly Grimly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fab! I love I those do like that. things in the background. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm feeling because uh, we were we were we were talking a couple of weeks ago about planning a, a road trip, weren't we? But mm-hmm. I'm feeling this this film yeah. may deserve, you know, it may deserve a, a road trip at oh, some point. Yeah, I'm up yeah. for a road trip for yeah. this film. Yeah, definitely. When we can actually go to places, hey. it looks like it might be coming. Yay, exciting. Soon. So, yeah, this was your May She Watchables podcast. Oh, episode 10. Episode 10. Done in but the can already. The most exciting thing about May, as we all know, is cinemas opening. Oh, yes. On May the 16th. On May the 17th. I'm getting too, I'm getting over excited. <laughs> Not the 16th. You're going to go and camp out from the I 16th. I am. I'm going to go and camp out from the <laughs> so, um, so we'd just like to wish a very happy May the 17th to all those uh, oh, film yeah. fans out there. Yeah. Enjoy whatever you're going to see on May the 17th. Mm-hmm. Go um, and support your local cinema. Support, yeah, yeah, support your local cinema. Support anything that's open. There's loads of films mm-hmm. coming out. Go and see all of them. And and we'll bring you something rewatchable for June. Definitely, yeah. That was May. Roll on June. <laughs>